Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Hello to all our online friends in the Hunter and in the state and overseas. There's quite a crowd tuning in online, so great to have you with us. Thank you. I'm missing Bobby White this morning. He's moved back to Perth. I miss that bald head shining over in that section and he loved a joke so he could crack almost any joke and his face would just light up and he was so tall even when it was a full house you could just see him Dave couldn't you they could just he had such a great presence so Bobby and Robin we miss you and, and love you um uh Johnny Newsom's in Tamworth doing really well he's doing so well that they keep getting him to do more and more gigs up there so hopefully he gets paid and makes some money anyway I don't think he'll get a golden guitar will he no no. Anyway, he's having a great time. Um, today I'm preaching on uh, keeping your peace. I'm about to shock you. Um, this is part two, peaceful on purpose. So it's just some clues in, in how to keep our peace, really, being peaceful on purpose. But um, I want to put up a photo because Brody's communion was just so good to fit in with what I'm about to say. <laughs> And um, Jacques last week preached on salvation and the battle for our focus, which fits in as well. There's two fishermen there I want to talk about first who were primary school teachers at the time. You wouldn't really want them to teach your kids. Um, One of those is me before I got saved. So Brody mentioned about sin. Don't get hung up on the sin thing. Sin's an important concept only because free will is more important and there has to be a choice between good and evil. Um, This was where my free choices led me to, till someone started praying for me in Ros's family and uh, over the next couple of years after that photo, things began to change. But just, (laughs) I needed God. I didn't even know that I needed God. How blind are we sometimes, hey? But just through people's prayer and intercession, something began to shift. And what I'm hoping that you remember of me when I'm dead and gone is... Um, geez, that bloke needed God. It's not like, I, I don't want you to go, he was a good bloke. You just, you just got to remember that photo and think, that guy really needed God. Thank God he found him, eh? That's, that's the message of life. But I also wanted to put up a photo of Frank Marucci, who passed away recently, and his funeral was just during the week. Beautiful man. Came out from Italy at 19. Got saved on the boat on the way here. And came so his family could have a better future. But he was one of those great men. My great-grandfather did the same thing. They came on a boat. They leave everything. They arrive with nothing. But because this is such a great nation, you can arrive in Australia with nothing and eventually establish a new life for the generations that follow you. So Frank pulled that off amazingly. And there was just this beautiful smile he had. But I wanted to see you, you know, him towards the end of his life having been saved, and the peace that's on him. The difference between him and me in those photos is astonishing. Um, My biggest lesson in life has been that peace comes from being in Christ, not by circumstances. In fact, I'm slowly learning, because I'm a slow learner, that good or bad circumstances don't actually have much to do with the, with the peace we have. The, the key to peace is dragging ourselves, leading ourselves back to being in Christ. And I just want to read you a psalm that Charles Spurgeon calls the most encouraging portion of Scripture in the Bible. 
Um, at Psalm 91, I, I won't read quite the whole thing, but I just want to give you a, what's available to you. Um, this is that beautiful psalm. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Verse 4, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys. It's like the whole COVID era. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Verse 9, if you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the Most High your dwelling... No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Verse 14. Now, I'm just substituting he for they and them because just modern language, it just goes across better. Even though Old Testament he represents women and men, let's just use they, you'll understand it better. Because they love me, says the Lord, I will rescue them. I will protect them, for they acknowledge my name. They will call on me, and I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will deliver them and honour them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. So that's in Scripture, and it's absolutely beautiful. Um, hmm. Spurgeon says... When the enemy's having a go at you and he runs out of arrows, he said, when the enemy's quiver is empty, God's quiver's always full. He never runs out of his weapons and his protection of you and the things he's given you that, that you can tap into. Matthew Henry said this, I love it. The worst calamities can only shorten our journey and hasten our reward. Um, God uses losses to enrich and equip us. Sickness is a medicine used for good. Whoa. Persecution for Christ is an honour. Death to us is a gain. So I thought, what a great attitude. Yeah, like, Rosa's has got really good faith on dying, way better than mine, and she's like, she gets sick, like she had COVID pretty bad, and I thought, can you not die? She goes, I don't care if I die. I'm like, yeah, but I'm the one left behind. <laughs> really? I'm not even caring that much as she dies. I'm just thinking of myself. I'm being self-absorbed and trying to express it as compassion, but it doesn't, it doesn't work very well because she's real keen to get to heaven. Um, and Matthew Henry's got that attitude. He's like, hey, if I die, it's a gain. What do you worry about? Um, I, I like this. Spurgeon finishes with this. God gives us conquering grace, then rewards us for having it. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? Um, I, I just wrote this under that. You conquer yourself, God conquers your enemies. I think we get sidetracked so much into trying to pay back or defeat our enemies and what we've got to do is get in Christ and stay in Christ and let him deal with the enemies. You find if people are treating you wrongly, God will eventually consume them so much with their own problems that they'll forget about you. Um, so the enemy doesn't have the final say. And I just want to do this sidetrack that I felt the Holy Spirit give me. It's about parents and grandparents. Um, the way we have the ability to declare and speak into. When I was seven, uh, I was being raised in the Catholic Church and it was all legalism, but a, one of the kids in my class, he had an, an older brother who, who became a priest, like way older than him, 20 years old. It was like a kind of a ridiculous thing. And he came 
to our house when he'd just been made a priest. And my mum got him to lay hands on us and pray for us. And they didn't do laying hands, you know, in those days. But this guy did because he was young and he obviously knew Christ. And when he laid his hand on our head, like, we were really embarrassed and there were all these people there and I'm going, <laughs> like, acting really dumb. But he just prayed amazing stuff over our life. And I'll never forget it because something shifted in me that day and it was the start of a seed of I knew I was valuable to God because all I'd heard was, you're going to hell, you're of no value, <laughs> you're hopeless. And it was like someone spoke something different in. And I want to show you a scripture, parents and grandparents, in Isaiah. It's the ability to declare that God gives us. So I'm not reading the whole section, but it starts with the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to declare or proclaim, declare good news. But then it, here's the verbs. It just talks about doing these things, bind up, proclaim, release, favour, comfort, bestow on. You're called, display. Then it's rebuild, restore, renew. And I think that's what we're to do with our children and grandchildren as they face the things of the world that pull them down and try to give them the wrong identity. We can speak back into them precious things like the priest did over me at seven and it just started something that changed my life. Um, it was interesting, our journey, because in our families, what parenting was like, because I was really bad at school in, I did well in high school, but in infants and prime, they were always trying to repeat me going, he's so dull, you know, and my parents going, if you can just drag yourself up to being average, that'd be a great achievement. But in Ros's family, she was like the black sheep because they were all academics and her dad was the forestry commissioner and her sister's a vet and the other sister married a doctor and so it goes on. It was like, it was pitch high. What? School teaching? Are you only going to be a school teacher? Gee, you're not amounting to much. And, and in my family, when I decided to become a school teacher, they were like, man, a school teacher. You're the first person to ever have a tertiary education. That's so high. Well done. <laughs> it was like, boo. So... We were very unnoticeable. Never picked, you know, prefects, let alone nominated for school captains. The funny thing is, all our kids have been prefects and school captains and, like, jaunty won sporting awards and there's kind of a noticeability to a degree. But the funny thing is, when we found our mob in God, so he had to call me out of Catholicism. There's some people he calls into it because there's good aspects of it. It's not all bad. But he called us into the AAG, which is now ACC. And in that mob, we like found our mob, Pete, eh? Living with the right crowd or the one that God leads you into, it was definitely ACC for us because we've had incredible favour from state presidents and national presidents, things we haven't deserved. And it's like the first half of your life, you're completely unnoticeable. Just nothing of, of notoriety. Just you're dumb, you should repeat. Is that all you're going to become? And then the second half, like the God half, is completely different. And it's because some people have done the Isaiah thing over us. We didn't kind of come up with it. We didn't deserve it. But some people, you people, have that anointing as Christians to do the Isaiah thing and to declare. It would be like, Robin, if one of your girls was putting themselves down or someone else put them down, you'd go, that's rubbish. You're a child of the living God and you start to speak in and declare and it, and it shifts 
and it changes. And I, so I just wanted to do that sidetrack because I think it's, it's very important. Um, there's this quote, I, I don't like it that much. There's some truth in it, so I'll just say it. But your kids should succeed because of you, not in spite of you. But listen, my kids have had a good run, but they need work too. And they'll need some healing from our parenting. Not because it was necessarily bad, but because in every family of origin, there's a few weaknesses and strongholds that just probably should have been dealt with and, but are still there. So everyone's kids need a little bit of healing. It, it doesn't put you down, and I'm sure you've sown good things into their lives, but I'm not freaked out if my kids are on an altar call one day and they're, I just need healing from having Mark Sarah's a dad. You know, it's like, okay, <laughs> long as it moves you on in God, hey, hey. Um, all right. Yes. So the enemy doesn't have the final say. Nothing can snatch you out of your hand. Write down, while you're trying to do good parenting and grandparenting, two things on bullying. So we don't want it to happen to us, but more importantly, you don't want your kids or grandkids to become bullies. Two things that help them avoid being bullies themselves. One is spoiled kids can, not all spoiled kids, but spo spoiling can lead to bullying. But the other thing, because oh, I look back over my own life and there were two instances when I was young that I'd bullied, that was all, because I've, I've never liked it. But, and I looked back in and I thought, why did I do that? And I'll tell you why it was. Because as a kid, how I was brought up, you were completely disempowered. You didn't get to make any decisions. Children should be seen and not heard. The, the value thing was pushed down. And so when you're taken from and not given any responsibility or some freedom to make some decisions, you end up with a thing where you want to dominate, where, where there's a position where you can have, um, what's it called, pa like not power struggles, power imbalance. It can affect you the, the wrong way if you've been too pushed down when you're little. So just be careful of that too. Maybe sometimes it's, it's releasing more power or freedom to the kids. It's, it's a fine balance but between the two. But I, I did want to say that because I got a shock when I looked back at that in myself. Because, you know, you can go, I hate bullies, I hate bullies, and I stand against bullies. But then what's God do sometimes? Well, let's just forget about everyone else, Mark. Let's just have a look at you. Have you ever done that? So I sat and I considered and I thought, oh, my God, twice. Sorry, God. But I got this hunger like, why was that? And, and, and that came out. Um, so on the peace thing, to end the first point of the enemy doesn't have the final say. When you're in peace, it's a position of power and clear decisions. But um, someone said this, a ship never sinks because there is water around it. It only sinks if it lets what's on the outside get into the inside. And isn't that the battle of life, the stuff that's happening out there, editing, processing, guarding your heart, letting the right stuff in, not the wrong stuff in? Because do we all suffer when we let the wrong stuff in, don't we? Okay, uh, last point. Um, <laughs> I'm free. I've got the photo there. Every time I see it, <laughs> thanks for saving me, God. Um, number two, peace with yourself. You are your greatest leadership challenge, and I think that's why I wanted to share that that, that bullying thing. But here's here's a funny little one. 
During the holidays, we're doing this thing. We had all these people for Christmas and, you know, over the next few days we're tidying up and it was good. And I find an open packet of biscuits in the cupboard. So I'm kind of the... I do the grocery shopping and keep things fresh and in the cupboard, you know, if we run out of something, there's always the next one waiting in the cupboard. And when I use that, it goes on the list. So we never run out of anything. Whereas Roz used to, when we were first married, it was just like when you ran out of something, you waited a few days and then you went to the shop. And I'm a control freak. So I'm like, oh, my God, two days without cling wrap. How do you survive that, you know? <laughs> anyway, I find an empty packet of biscuits and they've gone stale. So... I'm standing in the cupboard. I don't know if you guys do this, but I'm like, who put an open packet of biscuits in the cupboard? Why didn't they put them in the container? And I'm standing there, you know, kind of blaming. But Ross always feels like I'm blaming her because there's only two of us in the house. So I go, hey, but anyway, the next day she, she knows not to do it then while I'm, yeah. she says to me, listen, if you find an empty packet of biscuits in the cupboard, I'll tell you how to keep a good atmosphere in the home. Take a bite, and if they're stale, throw them out, and if they're not, put them in a container. That'll keep a really nice atmosphere in our home. <laughs> but guess what? She's right. As soon as she said it, I thought it made so much sense. I thought I was acting normally until someone just spoke truth, and I thought... I was acting really dumb. I didn't realise it till she spoke up and said it. So I thought, okay, but I will get tested on that over the next few weeks, but I'll try and live up to that. Um, When you grow and are fruitful, you will face some unfair opposition. But God takes it and redesigns it to grow you more. Um, It's that great scripture in Elijah 6 where you know how they're surrounded and Elijah's servant is freaking out because the enemy's completely surrounded them. And he goes, what do we do, what do we do? And Elijah says, open his eyes, Lord. And when his eyes are open, God's army is surrounding the enemy. So the truth is that the immediate fact is the enemy's surrounding them. But the truth is God's army has surrounded the enemy's army. And I think that's very true of our lives. And that's why dragging yourself back into Christ helps us feel and see those things. That's why I like to, to stay in God's word. I just find it this daily plumb line that pulls me back into line because we, we're humans. We, we drift so easily away from it. Um, mm. Yeah, another thought. Trying to control others is a waste of time, energy and anxiety. But watch this. Trying to control what those close to you think of others that you don't like often turns into disaster. Plus, watch this. The trouble is, if you convince, say, your kids are teenagers and you convince them that someone's no good and that person turns into a nice person, guess what you just did? You really damaged your own kid's ability to trust you and what you're saying to them. So you have to be very careful about what you try and control your kids or your grandkids into. Um, there's, a ho- there's a whole deal there because sometimes you, you, you're damaging their, their, their trust of you when you're wrong, and we're often wrong in our judgments of people. Um, okay, I'll conclude. Um, I've had a few really good mentors over the years. Um, some of the good ones were really high up in the nation in fruitfulness and backslid. <laughs> Two of them I can think of. 
aren't walking with God now, but I have had some excellent ones. And one of them once said to me, um, Mark, quit putting yourself down because God isn't doing that. You can't make yourself more righteous. That really stuck out to me. Swap your unworthiness for his righteousness. Stand in him against the enemy because ultimately when you're walking in Christ, grace gives you the victory whether you deserve it or not. And he said to me, um, picture this, your kids are un unwrapping presents on Christmas Day. They're not going, am I worthy of this, Father? They're just like... <laughs> Sometimes we've got to be like children with, with what God's given us. Um, so we've got to come as a child and grab what's available to us in God. Your greatest victories are still to come. Thank you, host. Maddie. thank you, Maddie. Thanks, Mark. How good is that? So much in there. Peace. I lived a lot of my life in conflict, and when I married Sarah, she's much more about peace. And uh, so good. I've already started putting away for my kids for their therapy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to need it. But no, what a great message. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. And I just love that, you know, said in there. It doesn't matter about your past. It doesn't matter about what um, you've done before. And, and we just want to uh, give an opportunity today for anyone who, you know, doesn't know Jesus, doesn't have that peace in their life. You can get that today through Jesus. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There's no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, he came to set you free. So if that's you this morning, just as we come in this moment, and if that's you this morning and you think, yeah, I really need some more peace in my life. I need Jesus. I need someone to just give me a new start. That's Jesus. God came to set you free. I'm just going to ask everyone to just close their eyes and just for one moment, and if you're watching this online, at home, or wherever you are. If you need Jesus this morning, why don't you respond to him as well? I'm just going to pray a prayer, but before I do, if there's anyone in this place today who, is, who says, yes, man, I need Jesus in my life, why don't you just give me a wave and I'll include you in this prayer. If you're online, why don't you just get in the chat, let us know or contact us. Anyone today? Father, we thank you that you are a God of peace. God, that you are someone who just wants to resolve conflict and, and wants to give people a hope and a future. So this morning, God, if people respond to you and say, yes, I want Jesus in my life, I just pray that, that they just ask and say it's in your word that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you can invite him in. So this morning, Jesus, we invite you in our hearts and our lives and we start anew. Our past is gone and there's no condemnation found in you. We can start again and find a life of purpose and peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Another great thing about that message I, I love is just that whole peace bit. Mark talks about, you know, 
there is peace for all situations. And for yourself today, just something to think about if you're feeling kind of restless or or um, worried about something, I just ask you to take with God. There is enough grace in Him and new mercies every day for you to actually bring that to God. Peace on Purpose. That is such a good title, such a good message. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.